This is SG2 Perspectives, a conversation with SG2 experts and industry thought leaders about the biggest trends in healthcare and what we expect that's going to mean for the future of healthcare delivery. When heroics work, they're great, but they're tiring. And when you truly re-engineer and innovate, you can meaningfully change. And that's the work that lies ahead. Welcome to SG2 Perspectives. My name is Tori Ritchie. Today, we are going to talk about supply chain and how demand for healthcare services may be impacted by the current supply-constrained environment. This is the first conversation in a series of supply chain-related podcasts, and I couldn't be more thrilled to have the two Vizient experts here for this conversation. Today, we have Dr. Maddie McDowell, Senior Principal and Medical Director at Vizient. She is a pediatrician and the architect of the SG2 Impact of Change forecast. And we also have Simrit Sandhu, Executive Vice President at Vizient, who previously served as Chief Supply Chain and Support Services at Cleveland Clinic. Thrilled to have both of you here today. Simrit, I'm curious, what are some of the top challenges suppliers and supply chains are facing in today's environment? Such a pleasure to be with all of you here. One thing that stands out to me is if nobody knew what supply chain was prior to COVID, everybody understands what a supply chain is today, right? It is a complex web of activities, people, processes, companies that connect across an ecosystem of demand and supply replenishment. It's an interesting time where we're beginning to understand the fragility of our supply chains in healthcare. Everything from inflationary pressures to the supply disruptions to the unprecedented shortages that we see today. Think about the freight bottlenecks, our transportation issues, and the underlying issues tied to workforce and labor, inability to find the labor that we need to meet production and demand cycles, along with the fact that healthcare, the customer is changing in this environment, our shifting sites of care, the rising issues, cost pressures to providers. We're in the midst of a perfect storm where the pressures that both providers and suppliers face are leading to tremendous pressures in both cost, escalated by unavailability of raw material and end production cycles, fueled by transportation, freight, and workforce issues. This is a very difficult time in supply chains and a difficult time for our suppliers. As we think about supply chain, that certainly then has downstream implications on how healthcare can be utilized. While this isn't something that we specifically baked into the impact of change forecast this year, Maddie, I'm curious, how are these trends likely to impact utilization in the near future? Thank you so much for having me here today, Tori. And as Simrit mentioned, the fragility of the supply chain has come into focus for many people who weren't quite aware of what happens and the necessary steps that are needed to ensure a strong supply chain. Providers and the entire hospital is now much more keenly aware of the needs in terms of supplies and how that impacts care. Probably the most obvious would be that costs are expected to rise as we see shortages in supplies and as we see a recession as well as inflationary pressures. We are going to see costs rise for health systems and hospitals. Margin pressures, meaning smaller margins, are likely as well. And then the third main trend would be that we would see some care delivery changes in specific areas and in specific timeframes. When we see a shortage in IV contrast, we will see health systems and hospitals use their ingenuity and innovation to figure out other alternative care delivery diagnostics to be able to do in the short term. We've seen a lot of innovation happen during COVID in terms of being able to 
increase the number of times PPE was used, for example. And we will continue to see that type of innovation being used by our caregivers to be able to provide high quality care when there are shortages in supply that change how that care is delivered. Simran, any other thoughts in terms of how this is likely to impact demand? I was reflecting on Mary's comments and what really stood out to me was the lack of transparency between what I would call the needs of a health system and production cycles of manufacturers and suppliers. There's tremendous waste and variation that's caused in this industry because we do not connect the supply chains on both sides. We have to aim at conservation and meaningful use. These are all mechanisms that health systems have had to use forever in care delivery. They become very, very relevant in supply chain today, but we've got to keep an eye on creating an ability to partner more effectively across this ecosystem. We cannot afford the waste and variation we've had, making up for inefficiency in our processes with an abundance of production cycles. We just don't have that luxury anymore. We built redundancy into our supply chains from a pandemic perspective, not an endemic perspective. If something sustained for even a month or two months, we had mechanisms in place called emergency emergency preparedness or risk preparedness, but no one quite prepared for a redundant and resilient supply chain that could endure sustained issues. And we're seeing what's happening globally. These are not episodic failures. We have systemic failures from raw material to production cycles, and we've got to create a better partnership, a better way for suppliers and consumers to engage in healthcare. And that goes all the way from being able to share demand cycles to partner on reducing this variation in waste and define meaningful use in this new normal. We, for the first time, connecting our strategy experts and leaders with our supply chain experts as we look at doing more forecasting for supplies. And the first thing that was brought up was that when health systems and providers develop a strategy for growth, perhaps they are going to do a new procedure, minimally invasive, and they're going to do it in a new region or geography. The last people that are notified are the supply chain folks. And that team oftentimes has to say, wait a second, there's a couple of steps that need to be done to ensure we can secure the correct supplies to do this, which can delay a strategic plan execution by sometimes six to nine months in this type of environment that we're in today. The silos that are created, that are existing today, have created a lot of problems with the execution of strategies when we are in such a supply constrained environment. Such a great point. When most people think of supply chain, they confuse it with the idea of it just impacting a med surge item or a pharmaceutical. This impacts everything from construction materials to workforce, from the SPD equipment that you might need to the valet services that you're looking to procure and you may not have labor in your workforce. When we define labor and non-labor supply chains, we've got to think about how large this impact is and how holistically we have to rethink what I call system thinking to eliminate this waste and variation. We just don't have this luxury anymore. As we talk about needing to make sure that we're bringing together supply chain and other parts of the hospital, where are some areas that these groups can work together to really minimize supply chain disruption in the current environment? How can organizations improve upon their current workflows at this point? So many different ways to partner, right? And I think the key word is transparency and better visibility from strategy to execution. Instead of working as silos, working as partners across this ecosystem, sharing proactive data, including demand planning, 
being able to have true partnership discussions around risk sharing, quantifying what risk and value mean to us, eliminating variation and waste in labor, where labor is being used as a surrogate for technology. So automation and digitalization. We've talked a lot about digitalization of healthcare, digitalization of supply chains and transparency of the data becomes very important. Innovation becomes really important. This is a time to step change and innovate and truly begin to look at things from a sustainable perspective. Maybe disposable products are not such a great idea. The move away from stainless steel to plastics may not have been the wisest of all moves. It's a time to question and re-question all the assumptions that we've made over the years and think of innovation as the only way out in partnership with meaningful use. This gives us a tremendous opportunity to engage in a new era of partnerships and a new era of rethinking supply chains. Individuals and corporations do best in a moment of crisis. And we have this moment of crisis today to rethink what supply chain could look like for healthcare. And while we're doing it, let's think about all sites of care. Because what's always been broken is that we've never thought about supply chains for the outpatient setting quite like we have for the inpatient setting. For anyone that's ever tried to do a hospital at home or home health or figure out supply chains for alternate cares of sites, it's always been hard. It just got harder in COVID. COVID's the light that's shown on all these problems. It's been described as the fuel, not the fire to the crisis, right? So I think there's a moment here to think holistically. And I'll just reiterate, it's not just the sites of care, but the shifts in sites of care that we're expecting. If the supply team and chain understands where the volumes are heading in terms of the next one, two, three years, especially in surgery, they can better prepare. Typically, also, sometimes those supplies change as you go to a minimally invasive approach. So the types of supplies that are needed change as well. But the innovation will be something that is really important for the multiple teams to understand how that impacts supply. That is something that will really make a big difference in the future. If you are looking at a big change, for example, in diagnostic cath moving to CT, FFR imaging, having your supply team understand how that will change the decline in diagnostic cath supplies, as well as what you'll need for your CT scans. That's just one small example. There's dozens of examples where we're seeing innovation change care delivery, shifting it to a different site of care or to a different procedure altogether. And those connections need to be made to be able to prepare better for your supply chain. Such a great example of how it's not about the skew of the product. It's about the supply chain. It's about the care delivery model and the value that we're trying to create and how we use the product and when we use the product and how it's designed. And these are all key collaboration areas across suppliers, health systems, partners in the system of care. When heroics work, they're great, but they're tiring. And when you truly re-engineer and you innovate, you can meaningfully change. And that's the work that lies ahead. I can sense we're all very tired in healthcare. The supply chains are tired. The manufacturers are wearing out. The providers, the nurses, the physicians, every caregiver in the health system, every worker there, it needs and deserves a solution here. Because when these disruptions happen, no one is working at the top of their licensure. Because prices are already high for the consumer So there's not a lot of opportunity to increase pricing when you think of the out-of-pocket expense that consumers are experiencing today. And also, when we think about the care delivery, typically a recession hits 
healthcare later. It's a little bit more delayed of an impact, but it does result in an increase in the uninsured because you have higher unemployment. Now that may be a little softened because we have the exchanges and a new way to insure people who are unemployed with subsidies. But we do expect to see in an inflationary environment, as well as in a recession, rationing of care. That will be something that People will be very thoughtful about how they spend money, but not always to the best in terms of clinical outcomes. They may cut back on some of their medicines. They may cut back on some of their specialty visits. They may delay a surgery. They may decide not to seek care early and then end up with a complication that requires increased acuity level care services like inpatient care for an infection. And one of the other impacts of a recession has been in the past, though, that there is migration of people to work in the healthcare environment. In the past recessions, we have seen as there's been layoffs in other sectors that we've seen a bump actually in the workforce, people getting trained to do healthcare jobs and services. And so that may be a little optimistic, but that also could be an impact of this recession in the long term. Maddie, that answer made me think about the fact that we absolutely need to double down on our earlier conversation around greater transparency and meaningful dialogue across suppliers and providers, because as providers are seeking solutions to these challenges, and as they make changes around site of care, elective versus non-elective surgeries, inpatient versus outpatient procedures, site of care optimization, understanding where they want to perform, these are all decisions that impact suppliers on a global basis? And are we really having a dialogue around those larger issues? Is there transparency around where all parties need to double down and create greater redundancy, create a greater value? You've clearly outlined that the inflationary pressures will impact everybody. The reaction and the ability to withstand those changes for different providers will be different. I'd argue it's the same with suppliers. Managing that dynamic and ensuring that we are creating sustainability for all becomes very, very important. And that only comes through sharing of that information, having meaningful dialogue, focusing on innovation. I know that that dialogue has started and I understand that that ability to partner differently has started, but it really needs to continue because these pressures are here to stay for some time. I think that's an excellent point as we look to one of the solutions to help with addressing the inflationary prices, the recession, and just the complexity of care, it just keeps increasing, is looking at connecting the dots with supply chain to reduce that waste and variation that you were talking about and to strengthen those resilient supply chains. That is one way to help with rising costs, because as you can prepare and reduce waste, you can lower costs. You can move more nimbly and you can execute on innovation and strategic plans more quickly with these types of integrations and connections of care. This is one of the areas that could really help improve costs and address the future challenges we are going to face with inflationary costs. I've always been very impressed with SG2's thinking around systems of care and the redefinition of system of care, not just being defined by the traditional mechanisms of an academic-based health system or a acute care-based IDN, but really this idea of care anywhere. 
And as you understand that ecosystem of care, what begins to come to light is we've got to have that same system thinking, even in our supplier community, across all their divisions, across their entire production cycles, understanding that from raw material to consumption, health systems understanding their patient demographics and the lives they serve from that end-to-end perspective, and matching all this information and data to use our resources wisely to maximize the impact of every dollar we spend in healthcare for the right purpose is very, very important. The connections that are being made right now, I think they're extraordinarily important. And they're almost obvious when you think about them. You're like, of course, why haven't we done this earlier and sooner? And there's so much we can do with our forecasting. We talk a lot about the transformation of care delivery, but this has major supply chain implications, right? And it, the complexities is just continues to increase, especially as you expand, as health systems expand to the entire system of care, understanding the supplies across that care continuum, understanding how quickly that's changing, the needs are changing due to care delivery changes, innovation. And then what you brought up too that I thought was exciting was, are we using the best supplies in the right way? Are we being environmentally thoughtful? All, there's just so many different layers to this. I've watched us move from stainless steel to plastics to now try to reprocess plastics that were not meant to be reprocessed. I was a lady reconfiguring my laundry plant to build a sterilization unit to wash isolation gowns in plastics to reuse. And I looked at them like, wasn't I the same lady that moved away from these materials from stainless steel that could have been cleaned and reprocessed to these plastics to begin with? And wasn't infection control driving me to do that? And now same ID doctors are like, well, stainless steel is good enough. I learned through this process and secondarily, what it taught me also was there's a supply chain. COVID really impacted my thinking around this. There's a supply chain in lab. There's a supply chain in pharmacy. There's a supply chain in distribution. There's a supply chain in the ORs. There's a supply chain in the procedural areas. It's not being managed by a supply chain department, but there's a supply chain there. The supply chain in the ORs is managed by the nurses. They're not working to the top of the licensure. They're doing case picks and chasing products right? And there are reps everywhere in the ORs trying to make up for the lack of a supply chain function there. There's the same issue in the procedural areas. You know that, right? No ability to match demand to case pick. Then you have in the labs, a supply chain that is being managed by lab technicians. Think about blood and how it's handled and refrigerated across health systems. And it's lab techs. Pharmacy is the pharmacists that are ordering the product and managing it. So it's fascinating. We think it's as simple as the word supply. But if you really think about the term supply chain, HBS just printed an article, made me smile, right? It's not a chain, it's a web is what they said. It's a web because it interconnects so many different nodes. And if you think of it from that perspective, it's exactly what you guys do in SG2, systems thinking. You've got to have system thinking. Mm -hmm. Linear thinking is not going to get us out of this problem. Summer, Maddie, this has been fantastic. We have covered a lot of ground during this conversation. And I know this is only the first in a series of discussions surrounding supply chain. But I'm curious, for listeners today, what is one thing you want them to take from this conversation and implement within their organization? From my perspective, historically, supply chain 
has been made synonymous with cost reduction or cost containment in health systems. Supply chains were, are responsible to get the right product and the right service at the right place at the right time. And we've got to go back to the basics of investing in those supply chains to prepare us for the need for assurance, redundancy, resiliency, healthcare delivery activation in a more sustained, proactive basis that in the long run helps re-engineer a cost transformation, not a skew cost reduction, but an overall cost transformation, an investment in a capability that bears fruit at a much larger level. Great. Simran, Maddie, thank you for being here today. This has been such a fun discussion. Listeners, if you enjoyed today's conversation, come back soon to hear the next installation in this supply chain series, where we will begin to dive into service line specific supply chain stories. Thanks so much for listening to SG2 Perspectives. As always, I really value your feedback, input, comments, or ideas for episodes, and you can reach us at sg2perspectives at sg2.com. Additionally, I recommend that you check out some of the other Vizient podcasts, which cover a range of clinical and operational areas. Those can all be found at vizientinc.com backslash podcasts. Mm-hmm.